Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. NFL Week 15, joined by my co-host and our podcast producer, Alex Uplinger. Find him managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod and on his personal account at Alex underscore up seven. As I said, it's week 15. Three more NFL Sundays in their entirety before we get to the league's second season in January. Alex, always good to have you aboard. How you doing? Greg, what's up, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm just a little bittersweet. We got only three more weeks of regular season, but then we have a playoff stretch that looks like it's going to be one of the better playoff seasons. We'll we'll see. And hey, we get we get two extra games this year on Wild Card Weekend. I'm curious to see. I, I bet we're going to enjoy it a lot more with the. Saturday, Sunday triple headers this year on Wild Card Weekend. 
Yeah, I think that might be a lot more competitive as well. That looks like it's going to be fun. I kind of actually like how they implemented the extra team. I think it really depends on who ends up in those spots. Like, for example, in the NFC, now that Tampa Bay beat Minnesota, it looks like Tampa's pretty secure as that second wild card. So then for the last spot, you kind of have Minnesota and Chicago and Arizona. And, for example, I think we all know that if Chicago happens to find a way into that spot, we're not going to be thrilled about watching the Bears play in the postseason. But, <laughs> yeah, you but know, you I give think... me a Minnesota team that has gone to Green Bay this year and won, that's won at New Orleans in the playoffs, you could sell me on them being intriguing. And, of course, Kyler Murray is always going to bring intrigue for the Cardinals. So I'm curious to see who ends up in these seven seeds. And we're watching the Raiders play right now on Thursday Night Football as we record. They're kind of of leaking oil right now, so I'm not sure that they're kind of best primed to throw a scare into Pittsburgh or Buffalo or whoever they would be playing. Uh, so I'm curious to see who these third wild cards are. I think it's kind of going to end up being something like the college football playoff where some years we say, oh, it's great we have this extra wild card, and other years we kind of just hit simulate like we would on Madden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the Cardinals could be frisky if they make it, and I also think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be trouble if they get that, that yeah. last spot. I would that's not want good, to play them, especially got, if the I Steelers think, have I, to I play them. I think you as a Steelers fan would love yeah, to see that, time. yeah, the third <laughs> go-around. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with the final wild cards in that extra game on wild card weekend. But still got some regular season weeks to handicap, and we're going to do our best here on Full Slate to give you a few winners. We will go, uh, well, I was going to say rotation order, but uh, the rotation numbers for Saturday's games are actually um, ahead, and the earlier numbers are for the late game between Carolina and Green Bay. So we're just going to start here with the afternoon game between the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos out at Empower Field in Denver. And we're seeing Buffalo being installed as six-point road favorites, total in this game of 49 um, and if you've been listening to this podcast all season long, you know I've kind of had this weird fetish with the Denver Broncos. I kind of can't quit them, and I didn't have them last week, and they won the game. I kind of was looking at them and never got there, and they end up winning outright as a short dog against the Carolina Panthers. I am going to get there here, though, and take the Broncos plus the six. And honestly, Alex, this isn't even as much of a play on the Broncos as it is against the Bills. I think we have a very dangerous flat spot opportunity here for Buffalo where the whole nation just watched Buffalo in prime time with a very impressive performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers and now Buffalo creeping up uh, into you know contention for that lone buy in the AFC even if they don't get there the Chiefs are going to be hard to chase down um, and and so now they go to Denver kind of a lifeless Denver team playing out the string I know this is a national televised game as well but let's remember who's on deck for Buffalo. It's the Monday night football season finale in week 16 against the New England Patriots. And New England is fading in the AFC playoff picture after that loss last week against the Rams. Not mathematically eliminated yet. Buffalo could have an opportunity of doing that in Foxborough in week 16. And so I think for the Bills players that have been around a little bit and have been getting their rear ends kicked by the Patriots, they're probably going to be relishing the opportunity to officially eliminate the Patriots if that is on the table in Week 16, which it very well may be. So I think we have a, a vintage sandwich spot here where 
I just don't see the Broncos, excuse me, the Bills coming out with max effort. And I think that always is going to make me question the motivation and question their ability to win by north of a touchdown. And, you know, you do have a Broncos team. Listen, they did go on the road last week, make the cross-country trip, and beat the Carolina Panthers. And there's some unknown here at the biggest spots within the organization for Denver. Part of the reason I like Denver is because I did like a lot of the pieces they had around Drew Locke and a lot of the pieces they had on defense, although, of course, Von Miller got hurt in the preseason. Having said that, Drew Locke really doesn't look like the guy right now in Denver, so he's got to prove some stuff here down the stretch. And Vic Fangio, second year, is still a very unproven head coach, so we always want worry with the bad teams is this late in the season. Are they going to get up for the game? Is there something on the line for them? And I think the quarterback and the head coach for Denver still have a lot to prove. I think Denver can keep this within the number. I'll take the Broncos to cover the six as a live dog. This feels like a prime letdown spot for the Bills here. They're one of the hottest teams in football right now. They're looking really good after these two primetime games. They beat the Steelers handedly. They look really solid. Offense looked good. I was leaning the Broncos as well. I almost got there. Just Drew Locke is really tough to back. He, he's second in the NFL with 13 interceptions behind only Carson Wentz. Alex, it'll know be how that went. What Denver does in the offseason because they're going to be drafted high enough in another draft that looks loaded with quarterbacks where we don't just have, you know, Fields and Lawrence, but you got the kid from North Dakota State, Trey Lance, and and the BYU kids starting to play his way into the first round, and Kyle Trask, Matt Jones. There's going to be plenty of quarterback conversations, and that's why I say Drew Locke's really got to show something down the stretch. Otherwise, I could see Denver making a significant move at the position. Yeah, he's he's definitely playing for his job, and we we know how much John Elway loves to go and target a quarterback. We've seen them draft. Not with a lot several. of success, but yeah. No, definitely not successful, but he loves to pull the trigger on him. I just couldn't quite get there due to Locke. And Buffalo's defense has been really solid at tearing the ball over. They're fourth in the NFL in average takeaways a game. They average 1.6. Yeah, that's a a terrifying thing with Locke. It turns the ball over at will. So I'm ultimately going to pass, but I I could see the Broncos getting there. Let's move forward and go to the game at Lambeau Field on on Saturday night where we have the Green Bay Packers laying nine at home against Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers. Looks like this number trending towards eight and a half. Matter of fact, earlier today I took eight and a half with Carolina. Um, I would still play it, though. Total in this game of 51 and a half, but I like the side again and I like the dog again. And I'm going to take the Panthers, catching over a touchdown. This is just a vintage Teddy Bridgewater water spot right and we talk so often I think it's really well known if you've been gambling in the National Football League not just this season but in years prior the success that Teddy Bridgewater teams have had as underdogs in this very role because if you think about it Bridgewater I think kind of an underrated quarterback people kind of look at him as a game manager and he can move the ball enough to keep teams in games and uh, doesn't always get I think his fair share when it comes to just his record reputation league-wide uh, and so it'll be it'll, that will be very telling to see if Carolina makes a quarterback move in the offseason as well or if they commit to Bridgewater heading into 2021 uh, but when we think of this game as I said it is just the vintage role for Carolina we saw them 
go on the road as double-digit underdogs against Kansas City and nearly win the game outright. Still uh, covered easily there as 10-point dogs, losing only by two. Covered a touchdown spread against as an underdog in New Orleans earlier this season. Uh, so they won as six-point underdogs outright, going all the way back to September against the Chargers. It's always a good dog when it's a quarterback a team quarterbacked by Teddy Bridgewater. And I think we could have a little flat spot here as well for Green Bay. They just clinched the division uh, last week with the victory over Detroit. And yes, they are still battling the New Orleans Saints for the number one seed, but you don't get extra points for seeding if you win games by double digits. It feels like if you're the Packers, uh, you, you just kind of want to stay healthy here and uh, win the game and, you know, you got a massive game next week against the Titans, and they really need to keep the pressure on the Saints for that top seed. So I think if you're the Packers, you kind of just want to make sure you're healthy heading into that primetime showdown uh, in Week 16 against Tennessee. So I'm not really seeing the reason for margin here for Green Bay. I'll take Carolina plus the big number. I'm with you. I got Carolina – Eight and a half as well, and now I'm seeing, yeah, on that online it's plus nine, juiced to minus one twenty-two. Teddy Bridgewater just innately covers spreads; it's unbelievable. In his six-year career, he's thirty-three and thirteen against the spread, and he's twenty-three and six against the spread as underdogs. This season, they're five and one against the spread as dogs. Like you were saying, those those games against. Strong opponents that they came out and looked well and covered the spread. And the Packers' defense, they can't stop the run. They're 23rd in defensive success against the run. They allow 4.6 yards per attempt, which is sixth worst in the NFL. And Mike Davis is a serviceable running back. We're not going to see McCaffrey this week. But also you get Bridgewater out of the backfield. He averages six yards per carry, and he, he's added four touchdowns on the ground. I think they'll do enough to keep this game close. They have enough offensive weapons. Uh, DJ Moore, he's back. He's activated off the COVID list, so that's a big boost for the offense. We've yeah, really seen they, Joe Brady use Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel in a lot of creative ways. Mm-hmm. And we know that Robbie Anderson is always a threat downfield. Yeah, he's having – Probably the best game or best season of his career. He's he's been strong. He's a good good deep threat, and DJ Moore is solid as well. I think they can definitely keep this close. We haven't seen Green Bay really really eliminate these bad opponents. You saw that Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean the game. Eagles were right there with them at Lambeau Field. Eagles should Detroit have covered, covered last week. Detroit covered the Eagles. Should have. It took a seventy something yard touchdown run at the end there by Aaron Jones to right. cover against the Eagles. They they couldn't put Jacksonville away again as 13.5-point yeah, home favorites. I don't think that was ever that close. No, Jacksonville was leading. It took a, a touchdown with, with like nine minutes left by right. Green Bay to, to win that game by four points, 24-20. And that was with Jake Luton at quarterback. <laughs> they were 13-point home favorites, and they, they couldn't put that game away. Yeah. yeah, I like this to be a close competitive game. Yeah, and lastly, just on Carolina, I think uh, the reason we talk about their offense and how they've been able to move the ball with or without McCaffrey, that just makes me like this even more because 
even though the defense for Carolina is young and we saw Denver really exploit it last week, if they can just score enough here, and you know, you could certainly make the argument that it could correlate to going over the total. Granted, we have a high total at 51.5. But if Carolina can just score enough here, the defense almost I, – I worry a lot less about the defense because we're getting a 9, 8.5-point head start with the Panthers anyway. So if you're telling me that the Panthers are going to score four touchdowns and end up with 28 points, I'm going to think that's enough to cover the number. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I'm a little bit worried about the defense. The Packers are first in the NFL on average points per game, so I think they'll definitely get theirs. But Packers' defense is a little lackluster. I'm not too worried about Carolina scoring here. I think they can definitely keep it competitive and close. Let's keep things moving in the Midwest and go to Sunday's first game in the rotation, number 341, the Houston Texans traveling north to take on the Indianapolis Colts. We're seeing Indianapolis laying seven at home, total of 50.5 in this game. Alex, I don't have a ton here. Uh, I would say that, you know, last week I was on Houston and got burned in a big way, and I was kind of feeling them playing hard for Romeo Cornell down the stretch, and and they really just were never in that game against Chicago. Um, You know, having said that, divisional game, if you're a, a team like Houston heading for the golf course in a couple of weeks, these are the kinds of games that you would always think you would get up for just to kind of stick it to your division rival one last time and throw a wrench in some of their playoff plans, uh, regardless of, you know, if you actually knock them out or not. It looks like Indy is going to be pretty safe in the AFC playoff picture. But having said that, you know, as I said, I don't want to take Houston because we really saw Jonathan Taylor arrive in a big way last week in Las Vegas. And that's a very ugly Raiders defense, but it's not much better down in Houston. So I think this could be another game. If you think about the game script, right, for Phillip Rivers, and when he's successful, they're able to play up front, and, and they got Taylor going last week. I'm having a hard time thinking that won't happen again here. Uh, but seven's a lot, so I'm just going to stay away, and I won't have much here. No, I can't get get there with either of these teams. But like you were saying, Taylor got going, and Houston has one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL. They're 31st in average rushing yards allowed. They give up 152 yards per game on the ground. So I would probably lean the Colts, but I really can't get there with either. This feels a little high, and I'm also still salty about Houston not being able to score more than seven on the Bears to get that game over the total. Yeah, got you had the better quarterback in that game, but Watson just got beat up. <laughs> Terrible, and Aikens got hit in the arm in the end zone, lost the ball in the sun, he couldn't catch it. That would have put the total over. Yeah, I'm a little salty. I can't, I can't back the Texans here just by principle. <laughs> Let's move forward and stay in the AFC South where we go to the Tennessee Titans as a big home favorite against the T- Detroit Lions. Total in this game of 51.5. And, and speaking of being salty, I'm pretty much writing my L on my Lions over 6.5 season wins ticket now that Matthew Stafford, it does not look like he's going to play in this game at least the number indicates as much with the Lions giving or getting 11 points, excuse me, in Nashville. Uh, and, you know, if that's the case, then uh, it obviously lines up to be a pretty easy layup for the Titans. Having said that, though, um, you know, it is a shaky Tennessee defense, and 
You could argue that they kind of got right in against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. Uh, and, and we mentioned that Tennessee game against Green Bay. Not that that game really holds a lot of weight in terms of the head-to-head, you know, because it's a non-conference game. But Tennessee trying to hold on in the AFC South, you know, do they really want to stick it to an opponent that they play every four years? I don't know, but at the same time, if it is Chase Daniel, is the Detroit offense going to be able to score enough? I mean, we saw them cover last week thanks to a late field goal that they opted to kick against Green Bay. I, mean, I guess there's a chance that, given the state of the Tennessee defense, Detroit could always do enough to cover, but I don't feel confident enough in saying that. So another game I will not have much interest in at all. What a decision that was by the Lions to, to kick that instead of go for the touchdown. They they opted to kick the field goal to bring it within seven and hope for the onside kick with the seconds left. I, I love I love that they were playing for the cover there, but I don't have anything here. I, the Titans are a good team to the over. They're nine and three to the over, but I just don't know if Detroit can score enough here. Stafford didn't practice again today. So yeah, it looks like he's not gonna not gonna play unless it's some sort of game time decision. He's a tough dude, so he definitely wants yeah. to play. But yeah, I don't I don't know if Detroit can uh, hold their end of the bargain and get this game over the total. So I'm gonna ultimately pass. Let's go to a more intriguing game. A little uh, short drive south of Nashville finds us in the ATL, where we have the Falcons hosting the. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we're seeing Tampa laying six on the highway. Total in this game of 49 and a half. And, you know, Alex, from a side perspective, I don't have much here because we did see, well, I should say I'm not going to have a play. I do think it's an interesting side to look at this week because we did see Tampa Bay last week kind of just manage the game. Minnesota possessed the ball for almost 40 minutes in that game, but left a lot of points on the field with the missed field goals. And, um, you know, for the most part, Dalvin Cook, while he did score a touchdown, not a huge factor on the ground. And so I think on one hand, you look at the Tampa Bay defense, as we know, has kind of been carrying them throughout the season. uh, And it could certainly line up that they would wreak havoc on Matt Ryan and uh, hit him around a lot in this game. However, having said that, I do think, you know, if you're Raheem Morris, this is you need a signature win if you're going to keep this job, right? There was a lot of buzz around Raheem Morris early on, given how successful the Falcons were when he first took the interim job. A lot of buzz about him possibly being a full-time candidate, uh, and I think that has kind of that that will dissipate if it hasn't already. They've lost three of four straight up, granted two of them were against the Saints, and they lost last week to the Chargers. You need a signature win if you're Raheem Morris and you're going to try and find a way to get this job full-time. You're going to play Tampa twice in Kansas City, so I still think it's likely, and for that reason alone, I think there's going to be Atlanta is going to be jacked up for this game. And it's this is the Falcons' Super Bowl. I mean, we talked a little bit about it with Houston and why I'm not taking a side in that game because I think, you know, if you're Houston – you're going to get a chance to play the Colts again in, in in an opportunity when, you know, 
you you don't have anything else to play for this year, so why not stick it to your division rival? Same thing here with Atlanta at home. So while I think Tampa, I think this number is probably about right, and Tampa, you know, kind of unimpressively at times, Brady only threw for like 180 yards last week, granted because he didn't have the ball that much. They're not wowing me a ton offensively like I think we thought they might coming into the year. But they're getting the job done on defense. Ronald Jones did get placed on the COVID list. Another concern for me here in this game if I were to back Tampa because we know how successful the Bucks have been running the ball to support Brady. I think I'm going to lean the over here, though, if we're looking for a play because I think without Jones, you probably see Tampa air it out a little more and maybe hit a big player there, here or there to Evans or Godwin. And we all know that Atlanta's run game basically doesn't exist. And the Falcons have always been a team with pretty high totals on the board. And anytime I'm going to get a Falcons total over fi- or below 50, which is what we're seeing here at 49.5, I think it's probably worth a look. So that could be something I find myself on come Sunday morning. My biggest concern here for the over is Julio Jones. He doesn't look like he's going to play it in practice today or yesterday and the Falcons defense has been surprisingly pretty solid recently they gave up 20 last week to the Chargers 21 to the Saints before that only six points to the Raiders before that and then 24 to the Saints before that so they've been playing better under Raheem Morris I think they've been playing way more competitive I would probably lean the Falcons just the home divisional dog aspect but nothing official for me yeah, right, and that's the thing. The home divisional dog angle, I think, makes sense, uh, and it's been pretty profitable this year. As we mentioned, the Detroit Lions get a cover as a home divisional dog last week against the Green Bay Packers, and, you know, you're playing a division rival. Oftentimes, if you're a home dog, you're the far inferior team, and so if you're ever going to get that max motivation, as I said, this really is a Super Bowl for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, but I'm still a little hesitant uh, to fade the Bucks. They had that, remember, they had that late bye. So they're probably the fresher team here. Uh, And matter of fact, that actually bodes well for our Carolina pick. Earlier in the podcast, we discussed being on the Panthers. Panthers and Bucks had bye weeks in week 13 and just got back from their byes last week. I think that could be uh, something that maybe benefits those two teams these last few weeks of the regular season. Uh, Let's go to the state of Florida now as we continue to move further south on the map from Nashville to Atlanta. We're going to go down to South Florida where we have the New England Patriots traveling south to take on the Miami Dolphins. One and a half point road underdogs are the Patriots total in this game of 41 and a half. And obviously we have the an angle that has been very profitable for a very long time. And that of course is Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback. And if you remember The first time these two teams met was all the way back in week one when New England won by double digits against the Miami Dolphins 21 to 11. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was, of course, the opening week starter for the Dolphins. A lot has changed since then. Of course, early in the season, New England was looking good and things have caught up to the Pats just with their kind of shorthandedness, opt outs, injuries, things of that nature. And it appears as if they're headed for the golf course. They're not mathematically eliminated, but that loss last week certainly did them no favors in finding a way into the wild card picture. Of course, if New England can win this game, they would have a sweep over Miami, which 
could make things interesting. Uh, and we do have Bill Belichick with extra time to prepare against one of his pupils, Brian Flores. So that could always be an angle that makes you lean Patriots in addition to the rookie quarterback thing, which I mentioned uh, as Belichick always seems to get the better of the rookie quarterback. And Tua, you know, hasn't impressed me a ton yet. We'll see how he does here down the stretch and perhaps into the playoffs. And then you look at the my, the New England side. The reason why I'm hesitant here, though, is I worry about a dream crusher, right? Where, you know, realistically speaking, while they're still mathematically alive, you know, are they going to be able to, you know, what's the vibe right now with the Patriots after the Rams took it to them and they're now 6-7 and seven and it's probably not going to happen and they're going to be headed for the golf course for the first time in a while in the month of January. So that makes me want to stay away from the Patriots side, but they would be the side I would lean to. Miami, we talked about them a lot the last few weeks. I've found myself betting against them more than I've been betting on them. Some fraudulence, I think, between the behind those numbers, uh, in, just in terms of their record and, and where they are right now in the standings. A lot of garbage time there for Tua. He gets the backdoor cover last week against the Chiefs. Uh, I think this is one of the phonier playoff teams in the mix right now. I would not want the Dolphins here. It's Patriots or pass. Yeah, I'm going to get there with the Patriots. Uh, Bill Belichick off a double-digit loss. He's 19-5 and against the spread. And like you were saying, he owns rookie quarterbacks. He's 21-5 and against rookie quarterbacks. And they have the extra rest coming off that Thursday loss. Since 2013, Belichick is 11-0 against rookies, and we saw what he did against Herbert. They put up – Chargers put up zero points. Herbert threw right. two interceptions. He was sacked three times. And then this Miami defense is – they're really good against the pass, but they're not very good against the run. They're 22nd in the NFL – an average rushing yards allowed per game. They allow 120.2 yards on the ground. And the one thing the Patriots can do well is they run the ball. They're, they're ranked fifth in the NFL on average rushing yards per game. They average 147.5 yards on the ground. I think this is a good spot to buy the Patriots. I think the extra rest, the extra prep, and the fact that Miami can't stop the ground game, and that is really – the only thing that the Patriots do well on offense. Cam Newton really hasn't been throwing the ball well, but they do run the ball well, Damian Harris. And then Newton on the ground is very strong as well. I think this is a good spot for the Patriots. I think Belichick will scheme up a great defense. And like you were saying, Tua really hasn't impressed yet. I'm, I'm going to take the Patriots plus two and a half. I think they could be a live dog and probably can win this game outright. I, I do think I will say I think New England's a in- Excellent teaser leg. I know we've been getting boned on the teasers, but you're getting them through all the key numbers up to eight and a half, seven and a half. I think it makes a lot of sense. As you said, you would expect the Patriots here against the porous Miami run D. You would expect the Patriots to be able to kind of Patriot them to death. Yeah, I I like the teaser angle as well. I I hate to put all eggs in one basket, but (laughs) going back to the Panthers, I think getting the the Panthers up six and the Patriots up to eight and a half. Panthers, if you get them at nine, you can get them two touchdown favorites with the Patriots. I think that'd be a great look this week. Let's move forward. A couple more games before we hit our break. 
the Seattle Seahawks make the cross-country trip to take on the Washington football team. We're seeing Seattle right now at Bet Online being installed as it's up to six as a road favorite, total of 44 and a half. Excuse me, Alex. I know I, I know you got in on this game earlier in the week with Seattle, which I think is always important if you want to bet the public side. You want to try and get the best of the number and get out in front of the public. Every half point matters. And um, you got, what, four here is what you're lying? It opened four. Unfortunately, I didn't get there. I got five, but I five. was still late. Okay. Yeah, I wish yeah, I Yeah, and board. so, you know, I'll, I'll say we've seen Pete Carroll. He's one of those coaches that has been pretty successful on the East Coast uh, making this cross-country trip. Uh, we saw him on Monday Night Football win, and I, bad beat if you had Seattle against the Eagles a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but well, and that's another uh, reason to get, get the game early. I, I got that game at there you go. five and a half Seattle, and what, it finished yeah, six, six after that, yeah. after they just – allowed them to get the two-point conversion. Right. So, uh, you know, you have that angle to look at with these road favorites as well. If the public's going to back them, get in early and, uh, you know, beat, get the best of the number and, and, and see what can happen. And we saw that the last time Seattle made a cross-country trip. So, uh, you know, I would lean that way as well, but really only a lean for me in this game. I think Washington, listen, that defense is legit. And they just ate Nick Mullins alive uh, last week in that neutral field game in Arizona. Now, obviously, it's a big step up going from Nick Mullins to Russell Wilson. But let's be honest. Like, Seattle, Alex, I know you're on him here. But the last month or so, and, I, and I'm speaking as someone that holds the Seattle to win the NFC West ticket at plus 275. I'm a little concerned because right now the Rams look like a better football team. Seattle... Even in their wins, like last week, okay, it was the Jets. And against the Eagles, didn't look great. Didn't look like a Super Bowl contender. I'm not saying they're not that. And maybe they will come in here and just blow the doors off the football team. I'm not seeing it, though. Uh, I think this game probably hangs right on the number. You're probably going to be sweating it out. Um, And, again, I, I think, especially as an Eagles fan, worrying about having to block some of these young defensive linemen for Washington for years and years to come. Very legit defense they have there. And in a weak NFC East, it could be enough to carry the football team to a very surprising division title. Yeah, I completely agree. That's one of my biggest worries is the Washington pass rush. Wilson's been sacked 40 times on the season, which is second worst in the NFL, only behind Carson Wentz, who we've seen. That offensive line gives Wentz no help. But I'm going to be laying the points with Seattle. I Biggest worry here for Washington backers would be the health of the quarterback. Alex Smith didn't practice today, but I did hear Ron Rivero say that Smith could be a guy that just goes as a game-time decision. He's a veteran quarterback. He knows the offensive. He easily could slot in there. But if it's Dwayne Haskins. It's crazy we're talking about Alex Smith in these. It's unbelievable. We're like. You know, a year ago, we were not sure if this guy's going to play football again. Now we're like, eh, he doesn't really need to practice. <laughs> right. It's unbelievable just to see how that number changes. I'm seeing I'm seeing Seattle is six-point favorites now, and I got it at five, which I like. But the Seattle defense has been playing better. The last five games, they've given up 16.2 points against. Granted, last week was against the New York Jets, so 
you can throw that game out. They only gave up three points. But if you do get rid of that game in those four, they've only given up 19.5 points per game. And I'm just not very convinced in this Washington offense. We saw them last week struggle against San Francisco, which is a pretty solid defense. But I think the Seattle offense, they can get right. I think they can uh, win and cover this game pretty comfortably, especially if, if Smith doesn't play. I would definitely play this up to a touchdown or so. Let's go to a key divisional battle in the NFC where we have the Minnesota Vikings playing host to the Chicago Bears uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium. We're seeing this game right now. Minnesota is a hard three, uh, lay dollar fifteen to back the Vikings. Total of 46 in this game. And that's where I'm interested in, actually. I didn't put it in our uh, menu of picks as we were typing things up here, but I actually love the under in this game. I got it at 47, and I would play it at the current market number of 46. Listen, I know Mitch Trubisky the last two weeks, as crazy as it sounds, exactly 267 passing yards in each of his last two starts, four touchdowns, no interceptions in those two games. So the Bears have shown some semblance of an offense the last two weeks, granted, against Houston uh, last week and the week prior against Detroit. So not exactly grade A defenses that they're playing. Now, I know Minnesota's defense is young, also not very good. A lot of turnover there. Xavier Rhodes, Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Wayne's all gone from the secondary and Daniel Hunter's out for the season and Everson Griffin moved on. There's a lot of change for that Vikings defense. Uh, but I think a lot of those young guys, Jeff Gladney did not back down from going toe to toe with Mike Evans last week. There was a play in the end zone there. I think he got called for pass interference and uh, it, ended, it looked like he had an interception late in the first half of that game against Tampa Bay. Um, and I think the Vikings defense in time will continue to improve. As I said, it's a young unit. And let's just look back to the last time these two teams played. 1913 Minnesota wins in the Windy City. And yes, I know it was Nick Foles quarterbacking the Bears at the time. But are we really buying Mitch Trubisky all of a sudden being a thing now? Like, do we really think that the Bears found something in him in his fourth season? Like, I I just think these last two games were more uh, of, you know, blips on the radar screen and not the norm. And... As I said, it was two bad defenses in Detroit and Houston, and you could make the argument two kind of un, you know disinterested defenses given where Detroit and Houston are in the standings. I still think New Minnesota is going to play really hard here because this is the loser of this game is out. Both teams are 6-7, and seven, whether it's Arizona, Chicago, or Minnesota. That seven seed that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast probably going to be 9-7. and seven. Uh, And so from that standpoint, whoever loses here, is cooked. I think, and we know that the Bears' bread and butter is defense, and they started to get back to that last week in a big way against Houston after Detroit came back from ten, down 10 points, 30 to 20, in the middle of the fourth quarter to steal that game in, at Soldier Field 34 30 a couple weeks ago. All of that makes me think we get another similar Bears Vikings game as we have in the past, 1913 earlier this year. The games the last couple years between Matt Nagy and Mike Zimmer have been decided in the teens. You're giving me a total in the upper 40s. Again, I think we're getting some value here with the fact that Trubisky has played well the last couple weeks. I'm not buying it. Under the total, first to 20 wins this game. Not sure who. Love the game under. This definitely feels too high. 
I would probably lean the Vikings here. I, I don't think Trubisky can keep this up. He, he's been really solid past couple weeks, but like you said, they're playing lackluster defenses that really don't have much to play for. But my one concern would be the Bears' rush defense really hasn't been great on the season. They're 17th in the NFL on average rushing yards per game. They give up 115.5 rushing yards per game. So that'd be a concern against Dalvin Cook. I'm leaning the Vikings. I think that Trubisky's going to fall off, despite this Vikings defense being pretty mediocre as well. I just think they can do enough to cover this spread. I could see it being a lower-scoring game, but I think Vikings will ultimately pull this one out and cover. I would lean to the Minnesota side here as well. Um, I'm not really buying you know, wanting to jump back on the Bears bandwagon, not that I was ever on it, but just because they blow out the Texans, not exactly interested in backing Chicago here, where we've seen the Vikings, while they haven't been covering numbers, prior to that Tampa win, they were surging, and and it just seems like there's more positive momentum right now for the Vikings. Yeah, I just want to say I loved the Bears last week against the Texans, but I don't think that really carries over especially within a divisional game. I I don't think Trubisky can keep this up. I I think I would probably get there with the Vikings. So now we can go to break and we'll come back with the rest of the late or I'm sorry, the rest of the early afternoon games and then we'll get to the late games and the primetime games as well. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online. You're online. Sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reached shape how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly. So you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of all my job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month. That's by total visits, according to Comscore. So it's clear that Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide are using Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg, joined by our podcast producer and co-host at Alex Uplinger at full, full underscore slate underscore pod is where you can follow him managing our pod Twitter and at Alex underscore up seven for his personal account. Alex, let's move forward with the AFC North. And you mentioned those Baltimore Ravens being a very dangerous wild card if they can make it. And we had the game of the year. Let's just talk about that for a minute. We haven't touched on it yet. What a game between Baltimore and Cleveland. Uh, as a Steeler fan, did you did you care or did you were you just hoping that neither team would win and they beat each other up? <laughs> I was hoping for the tie, but as a better, I was very excited. My my under was. Did you have Cleveland get bad beated? No, thankfully not. It's one of the few bad beats I didn't have this season. I, I had the under, so I was dead from the start. I actually live bet the the Ravens when. When uh, Lamar Jackson was taking a shit at plus 120 to win, so that was a really nice, nice comeback there. That was incredible. That was game of the year. That was so fun to watch. Do we believe him that he claimed he wasn't pulling a Paul Pierce, and he also said he wasn't taking a dump? <laughs> I don't know. What he, was doing. <laughs> he said he was cramping, but the way that video looks, him hobbling in the locker room, that looks like someone who needs a poop. <laughs> so we see the Ravens here against the Jacksonville Jaguars playing the big number uh, as they are a 13-point favorite, total of 47.5 in this game. And on one hand, you think, you know, my mind Monday night immediately thought, oh, well, one of these teams might be a good fade or maybe both because you're coming off of a very emotional, divisional game that had all these different twists and turns. And now, you know, you've got to come on a short week late in the season uh, and lay two touchdowns. But, Alex, you brought up a good point, and it's enough to keep me away from the Jags. The concern is that the Ravens just run right through these teams, and they don't have any problems under Lamar Jackson just doing what they do and pounding the rock and, I mean, let's be honest, it's a Jacksonville defense that just Derrick Henry annihilated them last week. And we would not expect anything different here, whether it's Lamar or J.K. Dobbins, whoever's carrying the ball, we're fully anticipating the Ravens to dominate on the ground and certainly would profile to be a good get-right spot for the Baltimore defense going against Gardner Mitchell, who will now step in and start. The QB carousel continues to swing there in Jacksonville, Probably going to keep swinging all the way until they draft Justin Fields. But um, as far as this game, you know, 26 carries for 215 yards and two scores for Henry on the ground last week. Hard to match those King Henry numbers, but the Ravens are going to probably pound the rock at will. And I don't see how this is going to, it's going to get stopped. I mean, the Jags seem like the kind of defense where you can do whatever you want. And even if they know it's coming, they're not going to stop it. So, I'll stay away here, uh, but I would not be surprised if this was 31-7 or something for Baltimore. No, I completely agree. I'm going to stay away, but Ravens just seem to 
really beat up on bad teams. I could definitely see them covering this number. It's just a little too big for me to lay. Do we know who's starting at quarterback? Is it official yet? I assume it's going to yeah, be it's Min- Minshew. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really change my opinion much. Wait, I mean, hey. he, he's been fun. He has, he has some magic to cover some numbers, but it just feels too high. That Jacksonville defense can can get beat up. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to touch this at all. Last game in the early window is a game that I actually think most of the country is going to get in that early slot, uh, surprisingly, on one hand, because it's the two sub-500 teams, but it is America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, rotation number 368, getting three points at home against the San Francisco 49ers, and this game got flexed out of Sunday Night Football. Of course, both of these teams' seasons have uh, fallen on hard times. You know, and Alex, I, I mentioned to you, I, I'm going to be on the Niners here, laying the field goal on the road. I mentioned to you how I do think that there could be a little square dog element here with Dallas. Both teams playing with a backup quarterback, and I think the public's probably going to gravitate towards the better offense, at least the better skill players, getting those points. And listen, recency bias oftentimes can be a, a problem for public betters, and we saw the Dallas Cowboys win and you know win and cover last week against the Cincinnati Bengals, so they're not mathematically eliminated in the dreadful NFC East. I think people are going to look to Dallas and think, oh well, they got more on the line. They're getting three points. I'm going to take them. And I'll be honest, I saw this number and thought, oh wow, three on the road. San Francisco's laying after losing to Washington and losing on Monday Night Football against Buffalo. I mean. The season's over for the Niners. They're not going to get one of those wild cards now. So how are they giving three? But that's exactly why I'm going to bet back the 49ers here. I think that Dallas is a trap that Vegas is hoping all the Cowboys fans fall into this weekend. And let's be honest, it was a Washington team that really didn't do a lot offensively. Only 193 total yards against this 49ers defense last week. Why did the Niners or why did the football team win the game? Well, they won the turnover battle. Uh, actually, excuse me, they scored on defense, I should say, uh, with that defensive touchdown. San Francisco actually managed to win the turnover battle. All of these stats are favoring the 49ers last week. They just couldn't win the game, something I always love to back the following week, and we talked about it before we hopped on. Nick Mullins, we talked about the front seven for Washington. There can There's some dogs on that front seven. They can really intimidate you. Not the same for Dallas. I think this is an opportunity where Mullins can pick them apart. We saw Alex Smith pick apart this defense a month ago on Thanksgiving. Similar opportunity here for Mullins. And listen, I know you could argue playing out the string, what are the 49ers playing for? I think there's the play for pride thing comes in here. This is a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. I don't think they're interested, the ones that are wearing the uniform, and they are starting to get healthier. I don't think that the 49ers are interested in just fading away and getting blown out and losing games that they should probably win. They're a favorite here. I think the 49ers are one of those teams, sub-500, that you can count on to play hard down the stretch uh, with regularity and uh, because they know they have the pieces. They just went to the Super Bowl, so it's not like they need a draft pick or anything. I think Kyle Shanahan's bunch will play hard till the bitter end of this season and, and cover this number. I think they will actually win this game probably by double digits. I just cannot get a read on Nick Mullins. That's my biggest concern <laughs> here. But I, I like your handicap. I, I like the way you're going. I think, I think it's the only side to take here. 
Dallas defense, they played well last week. Granted, that was against the Cincinnati Bengals and a reserve quarterback. But in their last three games, they've given up 27.3 points per game. That really looks good for the Niners. And the Niners' defense, they've been solid. And they gave up nine points on offense last week. They gave up, yeah, those those two defensive touchdowns is what led Washington to victory. I really liked Washington last week, and they won outright, which is what I had. But I definitely did not handicap two defensive touchdowns. Mullins looked as bad as ever. But this guy just week to week, I can't get a read on him. He either looks like he's as good as Jimmy G, or the next week he looks like he shouldn't even be in the league. Washington really exposed them, but Niners have enough weapons. They have a great rushing attack. I think they can definitely win this game handily. My only concern here would be obviously Mullins, who I don't trust at all, but also Debo Samuel out. I feel like he does a little bit of everything for that offense. He's a huge part of their explosive weapons, so him being out is a concern, but I think they have enough there with Brandon Ayuk. He's looking like one of the better rookie receivers in the league. And then that rushing attack, they have several weapons coming out of the backfield. Right. I think they'll, I think they'll do enough. To early in the season, and let's be honest, not like the Dallas defense has really shown a lot since. Remember the game Nick Chubb got hurt against the Cowboys and the Browns still had 300 yards on the ground? I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know. This we know that the Niners want to pound that rock. And, you know, even a couple of weeks ago, the, I, the Thanksgiving game, Antonio Gibson just went off on the ground for Washington. So I think San Francisco is the only side you can play here. Do yeah. not get suckered by Dallas winning on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals last week. Dallas yeah. is going to be drafted in the top five. Doesn't this line like, feel like they just, they're just begging you to take take oh, the Cowboys here plus three. Getting three America's team mathematically right. live in the division. Niners looked like the worst team in football last week due to two defensive touchdowns. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's the only side you can look at. Uh, let's go staying in the NFC West where we go to the late window. The New York Jets are getting 17 and a half, a total of 43 and a half. Alex did, I don't even remember now. Actually, no, it was, what, 21-22 when the Jets played the Chiefs earlier this year? Yeah. Was so it? This, this has to be the second biggest line of the season. <laughs> uh, that I can remember, yeah. I would, uh, yeah. Seattle was like 13-point favorites last week, so not quite yeah. nearly this. Yeah, and so uh, <laughs> it's the Jets – and anytime you back them, you're always going to be plugging your nose a little bit. But gosh, after the, I, there was, I think there, there was a time to bet the Jets, and it was that middle part of the season when you know. Well, we did it with eight, the against the Patriots nine, was, was against a good, the Patriots. Right? The losses started piling up for the Jets, and I think you know at that point they, were, but they were still a ways away from zero and sixteen. And I think the Raiders game was where the window closed as far as betting on the Jets because we literally saw them lose the game. I've never seen a, a, an effort on behalf of a coaching staff to throw a game like that before. And obviously Williams gets fired the next day. And, you yeah, know, that was impressive to, to bring out all-out blitz on a Hail Mary play, a last-second play. That, yeah. 
That was impressive. I I respect Greg Williams trying to lose his job like that. Hey, he lost his job to ensure Trevor Lawrence is a New York Jet, I guess. Yeah, but, they they had to have given him some sort of bonus to because to the Jags aren't right? in the game either. Like the race for the number one pick is heating up. No, it is, but I I think I saw. Recently, I forget the number. It was around minus two hundred, maybe minus two fifty. That yeah, that the Jets go zero and sixteen. So yeah, I mean seventeen and a half is a ton. I, this is the last game at the bar. Put it on the smallest TV, like we always say every week. I <laughs> am not touching it. But I don't know if about you, you have you the, mentioned it, if you have the Rams, yeah, then Survivor. If you're, if you're alive in Survivor, I would I would highly recommend the Rams. So. Since 1989, NFL favorites of 16 or more points, they're 80 and 5 straight up. So if you have the Rams alive in your survivor pool, if you're lucky enough to be alive, you have to just yeah. take the Rams. Bet against the Jets here on out if you're lucky enough to do that. Let's move on and go to, I think, a more intriguing game down in the desert where we have the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Arizona to take on the Arizona Cardinals. We're seeing Philadelphia catching six and a half, seven, depending on where you shop. Total looks like it's 49 and a half. And, hey, Doug Peterson, Alex, we talked about it last week. We weren't really sure what is he doing, not using Miles Sanders, not running the ball enough, and, you know, just kind of setting his team up for failure in a lot of ways. But it was just the opposite last week. That was the perfect game plan for the Philadelphia Eagles in the first start for Jalen Hurts. Designed runs, Hurts ends up throwing and running for 100 yards, and at the end of the day, the Eagles are playing with the lead the whole way against the Saints team that, you know, say what you want about them, we'll get to them in a minute. But it certainly looked like an Eagles team that was interested and not giving up on the season. And the spark was provided. And I was quite skeptical as to if we would see that. But now we have three more games, and as crazy as it sounds, we were texting the Eagles are back in this division race. I mean, you have Washington playing Seattle this week. You have the Giants playing the Browns this week and the Ravens next week. There's an opportunity here for the Eagles all of a sudden again. I think all of a sudden now – it's a very positive and upbeat locker room that thinks they can maybe still do something here. And then Arizona, listen, I know that they had a big game last week against the Giants, but Daniel Jones did not look ready to play a football game. And I think that was more about his lack of readiness than it was Arizona doing more good things. I'm still a little worried about the shoulder with Kyler Murray. And Arizona, prior to the Giants game, was really leaking oil. Not a team I want to give a touchdown with. I'm going to take the six and a half. I think Philly keeps this game pretty competitive. Cliff Kingsbury, uh, in his time as Arizona Cardinals head coach, four and one, or I'm sorry, one and four against the spread as a home favorite. So let's. I know you're a big Arizona guy, but I, I think that indicates that at least so far, when the hype comes and when the expectations arrive, they haven't always met them. Not covering those numbers. As home chalk, I think this is going to be another spot where they disappoint at home. Close game, right down to the wire. Give me the points and Philadelphia. I completely agree. I'm, I'm taking the points as well. I got 
I got six and a half early in the week. I'm seeing this up to plus seven on Ben Online, but you have to eat the juice, the minus one thirty. Right. Which I don't love, but I do like it at six and a half. Obviously I'd like it at seven. Doug Peterson just Seems to coach way better games without Carson Wentz. I don't know what that is. I don't know. He's about think, a, he's around 500 he, straight up when Carson Wentz is the quarterback. He's uh, 11 and three straight up when it's not Carson Wentz. And he's 10 and four against the spread without Wentz, and he's 32 and 37 against the spread with Wentz. We were texting earlier in the week. We were just thinking maybe that's. Wentz not liking the play calls, maybe changing the play calls, which completely flips the game script, and maybe that's why Sanders isn't really getting the ball. We saw him get the ball way more last week, and they did very well against the Saints defense that is very strong. Hurts was very confident in the passing game and added a lot in the rushing game. This was the first game of the season that the Saints didn't have a sack on the year. I think that might speak to more so the mobility of Hurts than it does speak to the Philly offensive line. Obviously, they weren't 100% getting stronger. Does because we have seen the Eagles use a ton of defensive or offensive line combinations this year, and yet Hurts was able to kind of make the most out of the situation. And not that Wentz is, you know, a, a, a statue. You know, in between the pocket, we can we've seen him be mobile, but gosh, he really has looked like one this year. And Hertz just seemed to provide an added dynamic to that offense, and we saw them use him perfectly last week with the 100 yards on the ground as well. Yeah, because Wentz is somewhat mobile as well. It just did not click with that offensive line because he sacked the most out of any quarterback in the NFL. But I'd love this rushing attack against the Cardinals defense that ranks 18th in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game. They give up 119.5 yards per game on the ground. And the Eagles, that's their strong suit. They're ninth in the NFL in average rushing yards per game. I think they'll be able to run the ball. Exactly. The only question was if they were going to be committed to the run, and we saw a renewed commitment last week. I don't know why they would get away from that here. They should be able to have success. Exactly. Especially last week was against one of the top defenses against the run, and they they look great. So why would you abandon that this week against a weaker opponent against a run? I think they'll, yeah, I think they'll keep the ball on the ground and limit Hurts his exposure and yeah, I think they'll keep this close. I think they could be a live dog to win this game outright. Yeah, no argument here. Let's move on to the final game in the late afternoon window. The Kansas City Chiefs traveling to the Superdome in one of the bigger contests of the week. Maybe a Super Bowl preview as the Chiefs take on the New Orleans Saints. Laying three on the highway are the Kansas City Chiefs total of fifty one and a half. And now I'll start. I'm going to take the Chiefs here. Uh, going to be a little square in my handicap, but Taysom Hill, is he really keeping up with Patrick Mahomes? I mean, I know that it's a New Orleans defense that probably is going to be pretty mad after what the Eagles did to him last week on the ground. And, you know, you're, so you're probably going to get a New Orleans defense looking to make a statement or two. Um, but at the same time, it's a Patrick Mahomes-led team that I know they had a, a big lead in that game, but early on, like, Last week, Mahomes didn't look great. Threw a couple of interceptions, and 
you know, that was a, there was an opportunity there for the Dolphins that they squandered because then they let the Chiefs score, run a kickback, and the lead just got too big for Tua and the boys to keep up. But, you know, I, I think these things matter as far as, like, a quarterback's performance, you know, three picks. I think that gets under Mahomes' skin. And he's he won't say it, right, because they'll obviously in the interviews talk about the team accolades, but he wants that MVP over Aaron Rodgers. So I think this is a great opportunity for him to make a statement for that MVP facing the New Orleans defense in a game that this is the only game, I think, on CBS uh, or maybe that Jets – Rams game in certain markets, but pretty much the whole country is going to be watching the Chiefs and the 49ers, or excuse me, the Chiefs and the Saints in this late afternoon window. I think it's an opportunity for Mahomes to make a big statement and lock up that MVP award. And as I said, it's going to be square, but I don't see Taysom Hill keeping up with Patrick Mahomes, even if the New Orleans defense is able to minimize the big plays for Kansas City. I wouldn't, for that reason, I wouldn't want to touch this total. 51 and a half is pretty high, but let's call it something like 28-20, you know, 28-17 uh, for Kansas City. That's kind of where I think this lands, which gives me enough leeway to be willing to lay the three. Yeah, I don't have much here either, but I love the Chiefs. It's just better coach, better quarterback. I just would not trust. Taysom Hill to outscore the Kansas City Chiefs. It's, <laughs> right. it's the second best offense in points per game behind the Packers. And even if Drew Brees was somehow able to go, I saw him limited in practice, but it looks like he's not going to play. I don't think they really have a reason to play him here other than trying to go for the one seed, but they can do that in their next two weeks while resting Brees. I just don't see how Taysom Hill can keep up. This is one of the best offenses we've seen in a long time. Easily the best quarterback in the NFL. Like you were saying, the, the MVP race is really closed. I'm seeing Mahomes is minus 200 and Rodgers at plus 175. So that's a pretty drastic increase from the previous week. And that's definitely off those interceptions that – Several of those, at least the couple I saw, were not on Mahomes. You know, he made one bad throw, which was I was going to say, he didn't look right like himself early in that game. No, he didn't at all, which don't you think this is a great week to bounce back, especially in New Orleans. You get to play right. on that turf. It's a fast field. Tyreek Hill and him on there, you got give, uh, Travis Kelsey lean the league in – receiving yards, and then Tyreek Hill is right behind there. I think he's top five. They just have way too many weapons. Yeah, I can't see New Orleans keeping up, keeping this pace up. I, I don't trust Taysom Hill at all against there. Yeah, I think best quarterback, best coach, you got to go with the Chiefs here with this small number. This feels just a little too low. I think they're it giving New short. Orleans yeah. – Yeah, I think they're giving New Orleans a little too much credit, right? Yeah, I mean – Three at home. I mean, I guess they're really banking on that New Orleans defense, and maybe they're maybe the Saints are going to be able to do what they've been doing with Taysom Hill and just I mean, it, the is, rock and, it is a top. It's a top three defense yeah. against the run and the pass. So that's a little, 
a little concerning, especially at home. That's why I said I wouldn't touch dog. the total here. Right. Because I don't think, like, it's, like people are going to say, oh, well, if you like the Keith, you got to like the over. I don't think that's necessarily true. No, um, I, don't, I don't either. You know, so uh, I would – I think the Chiefs side is the best investment you can make here. As yeah. I said, it's a little square. But every now and again, the square side's going to cash. Uh, give me the road chalk with Kansas City. Let's wrap things up with a couple of primetime AFC North games. Getting started with the Cleveland Browns making the trip to New- North Jersey to take on the New York Giants. This number is ticking up close to a touchdown now. Six-and-a-half-point road chalk are the Browns, total of 44. And obviously, the move – uh, from the opening number, I think, makes sense when you consider that the quarterback for New York, Daniel Jones, unlikely to play, we would think, or maybe 50-50. Whatever's going on there, do you want him at 70%? Or I, Honestly, if you want the Giants, I think you'd ra- maybe you'd rather Colt McCoy at 100%, given that they just won at Seattle with Colt McCoy. I don't want anything to do with this game for that reason. I have nothing on it. I mentioned it with Baltimore where I worry about the Cleveland short week off that big emotional and and physically demanding game against the Baltimore Ravens. I just think it probably has to take a little bit of a toll. So from that standpoint, you could argue some good opponents for Baltimore and Cleveland this week, Baltimore getting Jacksonville at home, Cleveland getting either a beat up and battered Daniel Jones or a backup quarterback called McCoy. Having said that, the Giants are still in the hunt for the NFC East. And remember, last week we saw Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson go up and down the field and trade score for score. Cleveland's secondary is not very good. Okay, Lamar Jackson, who has struggled through the air at times this season again, both times against Cleveland this year, was able to pick them apart. So whether it's McCoy or Jones, it's a bad secondary for Cleveland. And that doesn't matter who the quarterback is that they're facing. Uh, and it's a good Giants defense, right? We know that that Giants defense on a weekly basis is going to show up. If they get any semblance of an offense, they're going to have a chance here. But I do worry about that, especially as a Giants better that used them in a teaser leg, and they couldn't even get the ball past midfield, it felt like, in that game against the Cardinals. So that's always going to be the question with the Giants. Are they going to be able to do enough offensively? Because we know the defense is going to give them a chance. I'm just not sure that they are going to be doing enough offensively here uh, you know, so from that standpoint, yeah, under maybe prime time under always something I'm going to look at, but definitely nothing on the side for me. I love the Browns here. I think this is a great play. You're saying G- Daniel Jones was limited in practice the past two days, so it's really up in the air if he's going to start. But Bradbury is out. That's their best corner. He's one of the best corners in the NFL. He's been playing incredible. So he's out. He's on the COVID list. Also, you didn't mention this is the Freddie Kitchens revenge game. He just got called up. I did not. Shame on me. He got called up to call the plays with uh, Jason Garrett on the COVID list. So we got Freddie Kitchens (laughs) calling the plays against the Cleveland Browns. I mean, you can't write this, especially if it was – if it was Colt McCoy and Freddie Kitchens going against the Browns, two former Browns legends, yeah, I, just, I love the Browns here. The Giants are not very good at home. They're 50, 30, so road teams are 50, 34, and 2 against the spread. I saw this, yeah. Yeah, at the Giants. Really it's weird. Not, it's such a weird trend, but this is not a good home team for whatever reason. 
bad turf, bad location. I don't know, but yeah, we not had, good. I remember early in the season, Kyle Shanahan was complaining about the turf yeah. that Nick Bosa tore his ACL on. Yeah, and they had to. They went back to back games there. They went the Jets and then the Giants. The poor Forty ers lost several players on that turf. And if it is Daniel Jones, he's three and nine against the spread at home. I don't trust either of these quarterbacks. If it's Jones, if it's McCoy, I don't trust them to score enough. The Giants' defense has been solid. They've been really strong. We saw that against Seattle. They held the Seahawks to 12 points in Seattle. That's unbelievable. But then last week we saw them really – they didn't quite struggle, but Daniel Jones didn't put them in a position to win. Too many turnovers. He got sacked five times alone by Hassan Riddick, your – your temple boy. That's right, yeah. So I just can't trust his Giants offense to score, really. I really like the, the Browns in this spot. Let's wrap things up on Monday Night Football. The Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to southwest Ohio to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Total in this game of 40.5. Pittsburgh laying 13 uh, so certainly a big number with a Steelers team that looks to be trending in the wrong direction. Could it be a get-right spot for Pittsburgh, or are they going to kind of lollygag their way to a victory? That's the big question here. Alex, I don't have much here because, listen, I don't want a piece of Cincinnati. I, you watch them without Burrow, and you wonder how Burrow even won three games with them this season. I mean, that team is still a ways away in a division that is obviously very competitive, but... This is Mike Tomlin in that spot that we always talk about. He covered against Jacksonville, but against Baltimore in that Wednesday game, against Dallas earlier in this season, Mike Tomlin, as a double-digit favorite, tends his teams, for whatever reason, tend to play down to competition time and time again. And maybe that's just Tomlin not really caring about the margin. Just philosophically, he doesn't believe in blowing anybody out. I don't know. But I'm certainly not taking Pittsburgh here. Maybe I'll plug my nose and take Cincinnati. Probably not, though. This is a pretty boring Monday night game. Which sucks, because normally, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati wasn't that long ago. Montez Perfect is laying out Antonio Brown, and, you know, that was crazy. A.J. McCarron's coming in in the playoff game, but how far away we are from that. (laughs) You're absolutely right. This used to be one of the better rivalries in football. This used to be so fun. But, yeah, the Bengals have just fallen off completely, obviously, without Burrow. He kept them in a lot of games. They were covering a ton of spreads early in the season. But this just feels a little too high. I can't get behind the Steelers right now. They dropped so many passes. Deontay Johnson, do you want to be in the NFL? Yeah. That's a yeah. fucking ball. Yeah, and they have no semblance of a run game. The Steelers, which oh. is unbelievable. Their, their which, offensive which, line is I mean, getting bad. If they bad. don't figure that out in the next month, I can't see them getting to the Super Bowl. No, the Super Bowl. They'll be out. They'll be losing the first week of the playoffs. It doesn't matter who <laughs> they play. Yeah. If, they, if they play the Ravens, they get right. run out. They, they can't run the ball at all. The the defensive injuries have really caught up. They have so many starters out. Dupree and Devin Bush and even the guy they traded for is hurt, right, from the Jets? Williamson and then yeah. Spillane, who came in for Devin Bush. Spillane was the quarterback of the defense, and he's out. 
several weeks with a knee injury. They they just lost too many starters and not just starters, but absolute studs like Bud Dupree and yeah. and Watt coming off the corner. Those two in tandem were just so effective. That was easily the best rush in the NFL. And then they lose Dupree, so now they're one sided. Yeah, and they can't run the ball. They lost a couple of offensive linemen last week. This feels a little high, but also, who knows? You know, divisional game. Steelers might actually click on offense for once in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I can't get there with either of these numbers. Yeah, and so uh, maybe I'll find something. Maybe a prop or something to give me some well, money. It, it is Monday night. We have to we have to find something. We'll, <laughs> we'll tweet out a, a first touchdown for you. There you go. There's Alex Uplinger, our producer and co-host. Follow him managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. And give him a follow at his personal account at Alex underscore up seven. Alex, always fun. We'll do it again for week 16. Absolutely. Good to talk to you, Greg. Always a pleasure, my man. Follow me for all of my picks at Undercover Greg. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Thanks all for listening. Enjoy your weekends, and of course, please play responsibly.